What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create podcast. It's where I visit with artists and entrepreneurs about living a great life and creating great things. And you're watching the pre-COVID edition. It's a series of interviews I did just about a year ago, and then a whole lot of life and COVID happened. And now here a year later, we're getting them out to you because there's a lot of value in these people's stories that I got to sit down and visit with. On this episode, we hang out with Eddie Moore. He teaches me what a Monte Cristo waffle is. We talk about his life as a performer, a music educator. We dive a little bit into meditation and we go really into this idea of the necessity of diversity from everything from food to music to our entire lives. I hope you guys enjoy it. The Live and Create Podcast. So what we'll do is we'll dive into one, probably the most important question, I think. I would just start out strong. Okay. okay? So if pancake and French toast got in a fight, <laughs> who would win? Waffles. Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Throw another one in there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I like neither, actually. Yeah, neither yeah, one. Yeah, I really yeah. don't like pancakes yeah. that much. Okay. And if it goes into anything like that, it's waffles all the way. They're kind of crispy. <laughs> you toast them. Yeah, this is super informal. <laughs> I just realized I forgot to put down the audio thing. Okay. We'll, we'll get that in there. We'll, just, we'll leave this all in. <laughs> I know this, is, the cra- this is like not the answer I want. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Waffle. <laughs> and let me check your mic too. Yeah. So Eddie's one of our, our first, our first few. So I'm still learning. Don't, don't blame it on Eddie, but we're in there. No, all good. But that's awesome, man. Waffle. Monte Cristo. <laughs> Monte Cristo? <laughs> yeah. Cigars? Well, no, it's oh. like a... Oh, sorry. I think this it's... This is a waffle? It's a... It's like fried French toast. Really? Yeah, like a fried French toast, grilled cheese with like ham, and they fry it. Wow. With, and then you eat I it didn't with like that jelly. Existed. So oh, it's crazy. fried French toast with grilled cheese in it. Yeah, and I believe ham, like almost like a ham and sandwich. And you put syrup on it. Yeah, it's powdered and everything, and you like you can either eat it with syrup or jelly. Where do you eat this at? I got this that one. Amazing. We did a. Uh, uh, it was like a waffle festival and. <laughs> Not Salina, Lindsborg. Lindsborg, okay. Which I think is a Swedish community. Right and they on. were super cool and they had those for breakfast. That sounds legit, man. Like, this is awesome. That's, I remember the first time I had chicken waffles and that like okay. blew my mind. And so this sounds like it's a whole other step like beyond. I can't imagine if you ate that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any time in the gym is going to help at that point. So. No. Well, go to break down for me, man. What? Because you're a busy dude. Mm-hmm. You're you're in a lot of things, doing a lot of cool things. So break down uh, the things you're up to in the arts world. What that looks like for me. Um, I'm always a sideman, so I'm playing keyboard for a lot of different people. Um, anything from like rap, hip hop, rock, reggae. So with 77, last night we were in North Kansas City. Um, I'm also teaching a lot, which is great. So I teach private lessons, and then I teach in college, just doing like. I guess like private jazz instruction, which can actually cover anything from basic piano technique to composition and right improvisation. On. It's a huge spectrum. And then I um, have my own projects, Eddie Moore in the Outer Circle, and then I'm working on a new album for We the People. Okay. So doing a lot of writing, um, trying to get a looping like drum piano project off the ground so for like next year. Looping piano stuff. Yeah, looping That's piano and key bass and synth. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just <laughs> play. Like, when All we of it. first met, you were playing bass, synth, <laughs> yeah. and piano, and I'm yeah. like trying to fill in my guitar, <laughs> feeling lame, because you're like doing five people's parts. <laughs> so something like that. Okay. Um, 
I'm with Ableton, so I've been learning a lot of computer music right and um, diving deep into that. So a lot of my spare time is there. That's awesome. And then just trying to like live life, be healthy, and like hang out. I guess I forget about like family and stuff. Like, <laughs> I get, like family's in there too. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like thinking today, like my girlfriend's like, "Well, you want to come see my family?" And da da da. And I was like, "Oh man, it's my day off. Can I chill?" <laughs> like, but then I was like, "You were thinking about waffles or something?" Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like if I put cheese in the middle of that. So we just gotta. I gotta remember <laughs> to like take a breath, come up for some fresh air. You right. Know? Well, um, what, what does that look like for you? Because we'll definitely jump more into the music, but. Uh, you know, just got to live life. What what right. does that look like? Uh, not just your Sunday, but man, yeah, yeah. what's living life for you? Um, it's an interesting, man. It's just like the simple things I guess we like forget about, you know, spending time with friends and family. Um, you know, I grew up at, like I grew up as an only child, so I could like get wrapped up in my own life. But, you know, when when the music calms down, you look around and you're like, OK, where are my friends? What are they doing like off the computer? And just, like, exercising is, I think, a big part of it. I spend a lot of time thinking about longevity and, like, exercising and how can I regulate my diet and eating because our schedule is all over the place. And then, like, making time to meditate and read. Those are very important things for sanity and just growth, you know? Um, What's uh, meditation look like for you? That's something I've been trying to to do, but, like, what approach do you take? Um... I just take kind of like a, I guess like a basic one. I do like 10, 15 minutes of silent meditation. Just complete, like yeah. silence is more clear in the mind or you have like Yeah, like clear in the mind. Um, I don't like to listen to anything because then I'm focused on that as a musician, <laughs> opposed to focusing on like what my body's doing and breathing and relaxing and I just like that. being in the moment. So totally silent. I usually okay. stretch before and just kind of get into it. And it really helps. It really helps me like, be more driven or more focused on my goals and not so sporadic on all these things that I feel like I have to do in the deadlines tomorrow. Right on. You know what I, mean? I, I talk to a lot, because I, one thing I, I do, I speak about like depression and anxiety has mm-hmm. been a big piece of my story. Um, and as I ask other people how they dealt with their anxiety or any different ailments, meditation comes up. Meditation. And everyone has a different approach, but it's been really fascinating to me that that's becoming quickly a part of many people's lives. Like, where did it start for you? Um, I guess my girlfriend kind of brought me into it and okay. just friends like telling me that cause I'm kind of manic when my mind runs all the time and I have trouble sleeping with that, okay. especially when we're deep in projects. And so a friend kind of set me down and wanted me to try it with him, and it really worked. I didn't really think I could sit there for 10 minutes in silence. <laughs> it seems forever. <laughs> yeah, it does seem forever. And then I kind of was doing it wrong at first. Okay. Like, I let my mind wander and would focus on the things that my mind would usually just wonder about. Trail. And follow the trail, but then even, like, kind of resolving it or seeing where it was. And, and that helped in a way. Yeah. But then as I did more reading about it, it was like, you don't want to do that. And actually, when you realize that it's happening is a very powerful moment, because then you can come back and then focus on, like, the moment nice, and man. what's going on. And um, it really helps the anxiety and helps me, like, just kind of relax and calm down. That's cool, man. You know, being a band leader and a musician, and it's, like, all these things that have to happen now. And they're not going to happen now. Right. No. And that's why I, I think the drivenness of this, I think of it as very, I think of the artist world as a very entrepreneurial world. Yes. And it just seems like I meet so many people, we all have this drive. That's Oh, it. yeah. And I remember I started meditating when my last band was on tour. Okay. And I started noticing, like, I, I'll never forget, we were playing, it was a college, we, where we were at, you could see Canada, it's like just over the lake. So okay. Like, it's like back mountains kind of thing. 
it was one of the first times I like in the middle of the set and we're playing doing our thing but it was the first time I just noticed like sun's setting we're all this is fun like, yeah I just never took time and it was the first time my brain would just like stop in the middle of everything <laughs> right, so that's, right what is a you're talking about like working out and everything is it are you like lifter are you runner what, what um you i'm definitely not a runner anymore no, <laughs> like, no, no not happening <laughs> um i like to ride the bike i grew up riding bikes so um i can kind of focus in on and not get bored right on. so i might do like 20 i'd probably do Cardio every time I go, probably like 15, 20 minutes. Nice. And try to keep a pace, so I'm looking at the RPMs and just kind of like changing it on the go. Cool. Um, and then I'm a lifter. Nice. And so I just rotate lifting between different body parts. Being a pianist, I'm using my upper body muscles all the time. Yeah. So I've been noticing that, you know, with tightness in my arms and my elbows, I have to be very conscious of what I'm going to work out and what other musical things I'm doing. So like, true. don't do shoulders when you got a duo gig and you're playing, like, you know, for hours because it's just it's just too much. No, I get that. Like, <laughs> there was a show we were doing. We were on a big stage. It was a full band thing, so I knew I'd be jumping around. I was like, I can't do leg day. Yeah. Right I could see myself, like, jumping off the platform. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it also helps, you know. Um, we were talking a little bit, like, uh, I guess a couple days ago, and, you know, I can listen to music, Mm-hmm. And focus in on that, especially when I'm on the bike. And I like work out to like crazy different stuff. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, I don't need music to like set the yeah, mood. That's right. You were saying you listen to like jazz yeah. trio stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be listening to some like intense jazz trio stuff or I'm like. Over there with System of a Down. <laughs> in my, and you're like. You hear this ride, you know, as I walk by people, they're hearing this ride cymbal in my ear. And they're like, what is, what is going on with this dude? And so uh, it kind of helps and just focus in on some things. Um, I mean, I want to feel like how I did at 16, you know, I'll double that now. (laughs) And then just, but that's, like you said, the longevity. Yeah. It's so easy to get caught up in the constant go as an artist. Uh, Savannah was one of the other guests on here. Mm -hmm. She was talking about like healthy lifestyle. So she actually makes like smoothie bowls for bands that crash on the floor. And they talk about like health and all these kind of things. And I think that's huge, man. It is like... I want to play at 80, right? you know, like physically and then mentally be there. You know, there's some people that I look up to that are getting to that age that are still playing and traveling and touring. And it's such a hard lifestyle. You, um, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And so eating healthy and kind of just even monitoring that. It's like, it's so easy when we do, you know, to, oh, I'm just going to eat pizza today. And then <laughs> there's tacos available. Those are in the green room. Let's have those. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, a week later, and it's All like, I haven't had butter, a vegetable. Yeah, right. <laughs> peanut butter, the, those pretzels. Yeah. Everything with, like, peanut butter, and they taste so good. Yeah. Like, how many carbs did I have today? <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm not, like, intense with it, but, uh, you know, eating more raw green food yeah. and uh, exercising. I feel better. Are you, are you vegetarian? Vegan? No. Vegan? Just, um, just trying to put more vegetables. Just trying to put more vegetables. Okay, cool. I grew up in a with a personal trainer, my dad, and Perfect. we ate turkey, bacon, and ground turkey. I didn't have a piece of steak until like started working at a restaurant wow, in my okay. 20s. So you were like, Whoa, what is this? We just never did it. But then, you know, looking at his life, my dad just turned 73 in August. He's yep. on no medication. He lives by himself. He cooks everything. He gardens, and There's he breeds and kicks it, and he's like super healthy. Yeah. And I want to be like that. Exactly. I think that. <laughs> yeah. So performing and teaching, where did the teaching start for you? 
Um, I started subbing for a friend, like when he was out of town, and getting into more private, le- I guess regular private lessons. I kind of been teaching yeah. off and on. Um, and then there was a need. Uh, Brandon Graves came to me and he was like, man, we really would like to have you teach at the Culture House. Mm. Would you consider it? And I was like, oh man, like, yeah, why not? And it just kind of landed really. Nice. Um, and then students started coming and I just started noticing. I had a fear that I was like horrible at it. <laughs> Every day you're coming in like, uh, run me out. Right? Yeah, or am I showing them the right things to get them the growth that they want? Yeah. You know, just stuff like that. Gotcha. Uh, I took private lessons growing up, so mm-hmm. it's been in my life forever. And um, it just kind of took off, and it works out really well, you know. Um, I think I like it better than hustling gigs all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's very rewarding because now I can talk about music with people that are excited about music. Like they're just soaking. Right, okay. everything. Anything from reading music to scales to chords to it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, my youngest student is seven. My oldest student is like 50. Nice. So it's, it's a wide variety. Of yeah. That's, I remember yeah. when I was teaching privately, I had, you know, the youngest, like six or seven. And then there was a guy who was probably, I would say late 50s. And mm-hmm. he was retiring. He's getting ready to retire. And he's like, I just want to take up a new hobby. I'm like, right. all right, that's cool. A lot of adults come to me though, where they want to learn music without, especially piano. Like mm-hmm. they want to learn piano without going through classical repertoire. Yeah. And that's a big part of of piano, and you should when you want to be serious about it. It's like, right. you're going to get the technique. But I think a lot of teachers, they don't want to go another a route. Like, you got to do this and this and this. And, and you're like, dude, I just want to play at a party and be like, look, I can do right. and have fun. And <laughs> learn music off the radio. Yeah. And so um, I focus a little bit on technique with that, and then we get to everything you would need to know to do that. Yeah. And then we end up hitting those other areas. Of, then they're probably excited. Like, oh, that would be cool now. Right. As opposed to like shoving it down their throats. Right. Gotcha. Right. And we only talk about the scales because you're never going to play harmony if you don't know that. We're only talking about it because, well, <laughs> it's vital. So. It's, yeah, it's vital. You need them. And uh, right about the time the kids get bored, like, we get probably like to like G flat or B and then they're bored and then they're like, why am I doing this? And then I introduce harmony to them. Nice. And we do some ear training, and then they're like, they get it, and they're excited <laughs> all over again. That's cool, man. So, it's so the Culture House, can you break down what that is? What's the mission, and yeah. what is the Culture House up to? Um, the Culture House is a really cool place. Um, it's on 119th and Blackball in okay. Olathe, Kansas. Um, their mission is to share uh, all different styles of culture and different backgrounds and disciplines with children and families, and kind of having a safe haven to be yourself and learn about music and art and dance and all kinds of different things. Um, It's Christian-based, but it's super open-minded, and I like it a lot, actually. Um, A lot of freedom and a lot of really artistic people. Yeah. Um, I guess their biggest part of the school is their dance and theater, but they do a lot of different great things with the kids there, and the art program's huge, so it's great to see kids in an extracurricular activity. Because mm-hmm. when I walk in and teach piano lessons, I walk probably through 100 kids. That's crazy. In theater and ballet so and dance, active. and they're active. And then that leads them to study music, which, you know, sometimes they do art. And it, it's a little cool. It's a cool place. It's a cool school. I like yeah. it. Um, I never even imagined that I would, you it's know, be teaching. Yeah, so do it. So. 
And Brandon, I, I met him. Uh, we played at a zoo once. <laughs> okay. Okay. At a zoo, we didn't play together. He was one of the other artists in a different section, and I got to know him. He seems like got a cool vision. Yeah. Uh, about him as a person, and then what he's trying to do musically. So. Right. There's cool. no like elitist in any discipline yeah. like where they're going to tell you well you can't do this because you're studying the classical side and it's like you can do it all or whatever you want to want to do um i think it's also cool that they have a recording studio there so they're bringing in music technology and making that a bigger part and introducing it to the kids that's huge man because believe it or not a lot of them are either creating on the computer mm -hmm. or wanting to and then that's their drive to take lessons yeah you know, but we got to connect that it's like for they kind of hit that wall of like, oh, I hear these things, I see these things. Right. Now I actually have to learn right. how to create it. And when you go to the, the instrument or VST and a MIDI keyboard pops up. <laughs> what do I do? It hits you like, I really need to know about piano now. Right. <laughs> okay. You know. can't just be the drum pad. And right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So when you're, so you got working out, man, you got teaching, you got playing, what, what's something that's, that's just fun for you? Like the thing that helps you, I don't know, disengage. I like to skate, actually. Skate, really? Okay. Yeah. Like skateboard, inline uh, skate? Rollerblade. Rollerblade. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I guess like inline, I guess it's inline skating. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, um, I'd always grown up at the skate park and, right and doing that. And so I just got a pair of skates maybe about a year ago. and. Right I go out to the park and skate some ledges and small stuff nice. every once in a while and just kind of like flow around. And kind of stuff and no air tricks. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'm too old for air tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, and that's the other thing, like, growing up it was really good. So now I just, I back it down. Like, it's super mellow. It's just something fun to feel and rolling around yeah. and, like, sliding on ledges and just that whole thing you That's know cool, falling's okay it kind of reminds you that like the physical you know when you've been an athlete mm. that physical part of it um and so i just do that every it's once that in a while instant feedback like oh all right i'm alive yeah yeah and so they kind of stay in the car with me and when i'm out south and on a good day i just stop by the park on like 135th street That's awesome, man. roll around for a little bit and by the time i'm like okay I get caught in something that I can't do. I'm like, all right, good. I'll just come back tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not all. Just as long as you don't break an arm or something. I wear wrist guards. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wear wrist guards uh, that are plated on both sides for my hands. For gotcha. sure. <laughs> for Wise sure. man. I, I think it was Metallica. One of the guys broke their arms, one of their arms on tour, okay. skateboarding, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So. I had some friends break, do the same thing, actually. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, things are more important. There's yeah. more important things going on. You're like, my livelihood, right here, right here. That's cool, though. I got to yeah. see these crazy guards. They're, right, they're kind of like, I guess the regular wrist guard, but most of them only have a plate on the palm, mm. and yeah, I want a flexible plate on my hand, so if I fall, they'll move, but there's, there's some tension there to keep it from bending all the way back or crushing my fingers or stuff. Right. So That's cool. It's pretty cool. It's fun still. Well, sweet. Yeah. Well, so diving in, right? We, the idea of this podcast is is diving into the what drives each person. And so for you, what does it mean in the midst of all this? Because you've got so many great things. In the midst of all this, though, uh, what does it mean for you to live a great life? Huh. I guess uh, to live a great life is like balance. You know, balance in what we were talking about and being healthy and balance in, I guess as a musician, like moving people, like yeah. sharing your music or 
your stories with other people to like help influence. So a great life is that, you know, it can't just be the music and you become this rock star. And then when you step off stage, it's like nothing, you know, and you, we've seen that kind of kill people's career in life. Mm -hmm. Um, so the balance of that, like having friends around, having a community, being healthy, people that strive you to think different. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, I guess with that balance comes diversity. Yeah. I've always grown up with diverse friends, so I want to be around diverse people. Like different kinds of thinking, different cultures. Yeah, different, different cultures, different thinking, different... Even some things that I might I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. You know, they challenge you. It's like you're not meant to agree with everyone, clearly. Right. And so that that's, that's balanced to me. You know, it, it challenges your mind, and then it influences my music. Yeah. You know, it's a direct correlation and pathway. So that, that's... It's so easy to get stuck, too, just in create a bubble and especially in this arts world where it's just like you can become so especially as you're getting on the road or in yeah. the studio it's like your world can become so small it but can yeah where's the inspiration at, at right point? So and i think when an artist doesn't see that and can't handle it mm -hmm. then other issues come into play that stop them from creating yeah. and you can even like you get caught up in fighting that it's like quicksand you know so when, don't do that. <laughs> when, you, when I think of like some of the greatest artists, it seems like what'll happen is they'll end up traveling to a different country or traveling, you know, to and, and meeting different people like in their city, and that inspires that whole new era right. of music that they put out. So right. I dig that, man. And I love travel. I mean, I need to travel more. <laughs> well, you were talking about um, Costa. Is it Costa Rica? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what have you been up to going to Costa Rica? I think we. It, it, it's slipping me. I think it's like Dr. Goins. Right. I first, yeah. so. <laughs> I first went with uh, Dr. Goins like maybe four or five years ago for a jazz festival. Yeah. Kind of like fell in love with their culture and their way of life and just their attraction to jazz music. Yeah. And so I've been going back and forth, um, sometimes solo to play with um, Ticos and Ticos. Local, uh, local Costa Ricans. Oh, okay. It's like Ticos and Ticos. <laughs> like how Costa Rican you are. Yeah, it's like funny. my Spanish is actually Eat. horrible. <laughs> I need to work on that part of it, honestly. <laughs> but, um, and just going back and living the lifestyle, like, I don't just go to the hotel and then play the gig and then, like, go home, like... Watch Netflix. And right. The same thing you would do in America. We hang. That's you awesome. know, and I have friends there, so, like, I, they show me, you know, I've been... Because of that, I've been to active volcanoes. I learned how to surf in Costa Rica. And, like camp out on the beach, like, you know, not only play great music, but, you know, experience their lifestyle right. and other things that they're into. So I've been to reggae festivals. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. And so um, I like going back there. Uh, I really resonate with their way of life and their way of thinking. It's very relaxed mm -hmm. and balanced, you know. That island kind of vibe. Yeah. And I guess because of where they are, especially with, like, African culture, mm -hmm the way that they look at that. Because they are American. <laughs> you get where, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, that's different from being like a North American and yeah. seeing how they relate to the same culture as Central Americans. That's interesting. As a jazz musician, as you know, yeah. is, is an interesting thing. And so how often are you doing shows with local like folks there? I try to go like... To bringing in uh, artists from like here in America. Right. Here in North America. Um, I think I've been, I haven't been in about a year. I usually, I just try to go once a year. Okay. Uh, the last time I went, I brought, I could afford to bring the whole band. That's awesome. Yeah, so I brought the whole band that time, and I think our, we played with a drummer from there. That's 
which was great. The three times before that, I went. So I, actually, I brought another one guy before, and we did a festival. So it's like maybe like half and half. I would okay. like to bring the group more. So they can experience that same kind of thing. It's a different kind of vibe when, when I would go by myself, I would end up teaching the rhythm section how to groove and kind of get the feel of my music. Mm -hmm. The swing isn't the problem. They have the feel of that, but yeah. like they want to learn how to like grab what we've done with live hip hop. Really? Like the feel of that. Like, and I guess to put into words, like everything you hear Quest Love and Chris Dave that they've injected into like the jazz mm -hmm. live hip hop feel that we now hear from several right. drummers and Pino and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They're really about that. And my music awesome. has a lot of that. So I end up teaching them that, which is cool. Mm -hmm. But when the whole band comes, they get to experience it from people that have grown up in it. Right. I'm now at a point where I'm trying to make a way for them to come here and hang out. Yeah, that'd be killer, man. And bring, cause they're playing jazz. Like they're playing some deep jazz. Nice. Like improvised music, so like have them come and show us like this is how we see jazz and this is how we're playing it, mm -hmm. and it's fascinating. I love it. When you talk about that hip hop piece, I know this is a conversation we got into before, where uh, the jazz community sometimes can become so closed off, right? And they'll look at folks. I, I think of Robert Glasper right. and what he's done uh, for the genre, where it just Oh, definitely. Blows it way out and puts all sorts of different uh, influences into his right. music. Uh, what does that look like for you? Where does your passion lie in, in breaking jazz? I'm probably like its, a... It's original form, I guess. It's interesting because, like, I'm a branch from that same tree. Mm -hmm. And he's a, he's a branch to a bigger part of that tree. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're both from Houston. And then I came up influenced... By the things that they were doing in the early stages, That's you know, cool. back in like 2004, I was listening to a lot of bootlegs that friends were passing down from New York because a lot of the Houston community was in New York. Okay, and then so I was like popping back and forth. They were popping back and forth, and that feel is in Houston. Like hmm. all the drummers wanted to sound like Chris Day. All the piano, all the p piano players were church musicians, so of course they resonated with Robert Glasper because of that background. That so it was like a hero, and yeah. those Houston guys were heroes to us way, way, way back. And so it influences my music then, but then when I moved here, I got into other styles of music. Like, I started playing in reggae bands, I started playing with Various Blonde, which like helped me grow my more rock side. My first band to play keyboard in was a rock that band. angst in there. Oh, yeah. Hey. You know, he was like... <laughs> Uh, you know, and Josh, Josh is a, a, a kind of like an evil genius in that regard because he knows what he wants and he knows what sounds and soundscapes and tools to kind of give you to use. So he's like hmm. giving me gear to borrow and and like play this, play that, and <laughs> all that seeped into my music. So when you hear That's it, awesome. it's like not just the the neo soul hip hop side that I grew up in. It's like this rock side and then this reggae rhythm type thing. Mm -hmm. And then I, I moved here to learn how to swing. So there's this heavy, deep jazz root. You know, it still sounds very traditional in a sense of mm. how we're playing and the language that we're improvising with. So I think it's just it's everything. And from, you know, reading more about jazz and the mentality of our of their creators and masters, it's like, that's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to like, inject all these musics into jazz. It's not a genre. Right. It's just the art of improvisation. It does have a certain dialect, but it's supposed to evolve. 
So the mentality of thinking that it's in a box is actually anti-jazz. That's that's interesting. That's you cool. know what I mean? It's like cool you're, to hear someone talk about it's that. anti awesome. the culture. The culture was never about that. Even from the age of bebop, hmm. it was never like the swing guys hated it's the bebop guys. Finding that boundary yeah. and stepping past it, definitely something new. Because like I mean, it, I don't know. There's a misconception about the the word and everything. Like jazz isn't a genre. It's not actually a genre of music. Which is what makes it hard to define. Interesting. Do you think of it more of a philosophy? In a yeah, sense? I think about it as a language and a dialect. Like hmm. it's a dialect of improvisation. So you'll hear that in Modesky Martin Wood. You'll hear that in Schofield. You'll hear that same dialect in Her. You'll hear that same dialect in Kendrick Lamar. You'll hear yeah. that same dialect in um, what's his? Oh, it's only it's Americana band um, guitar player sings with hmm. his wife. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks. Oh, okay. You hear all that in Tedeschi Trucks music when he yeah. goes to play the blues, when the horn players go to improvise, hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire. And, but we wouldn't consider those genres jazz music. Right. But those musicians are versed in the art of improvisation, which is what we call jazz. That's awesome. Which man. allows them to create on that level. I, I that's that. how I think about it. And so, man, you, that kind of opens up what I think, I think, like, thinking of it that way. I think could open up a lot of people who are afraid of it oh, to yeah. step into that stream. Because, like, for me, I, I was sharing with you when we talked a few weeks ago right. you know, where I did two semesters of jazz <laughs> in college and long <laughs> enough to know that I wasn't a jazz player because I was, I was like, man, that cat's a jazz player. I think I just do rock, you know? Like, right, 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 right. But it was an interesting world. But it... Those, just those two semesters, understanding the theory and diving into that it has expanded how I even think about rock yeah. to this day. And that was years and years ago. All the way. And so it's cool to hear someone Even a group that. like, when you listen to Francis Mute, Francis the Mute by Mars Volta, huh. they have know. like a, you hear the influences of jazz. And actually, when you hear that band live, mm. they're improvising through all the day. Like, they're nonstop. And there's a lot of improvisation and there's a lot of those tones and... And that stuff underneath mm. this psychedelic rock fusion thing, yeah. um, it's kind of like, it's part of American culture, so. Yeah. And the world is taking it. It's one of the it. few truly American, right. like, designed on our soil kind of thing we have. You know, mm -hmm. the blues and jazz, I think, are those two things. Like, they have their roots in, right. in, in Africa, but it seems like it's truly an American art form. It is definitely. I, it is an American art form, and... And a lot of the, you know, the masters like Duke Ellington and um, especially Duke mm. felt that it was a blending of both cultures. Hmm. It was something that, like, we've created, we've now kind of stepped in, we've shared and given blood to it. And so it's kind of, it's new. What if jazz is the new identity of America and hmm. partnership? Because you have to, like, and I know, like, some of the older heads wouldn't necessarily believe that because they've given so much energy to the music, so they feel like they have a right that it's theirs and it hasn't been respected as theirs yet. Mm. But a younger dude like me doesn't feel that same way because I've seen like Israeli jazz musicians and mm. Parisian jazz musicians and how they think about it like third person, yeah. and they see it as this freedom of expression that America and the partnership has given them, so they play it out of to be free, because a lot of people can't be free. Wow. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, when yeah. we start talking about teenagers in Israeli, like, they have to serve mm -hmm. after 18 
Two years at least, right? Two years. Yeah. So, like, being free on their instrument and something is a feeling that, like, yo, you can't, like, maybe mm. have in life like that. Yeah. And things. So, like, I think a lot of, a lot of young kids gravitated around the world because of his freedom. That's um, cool. I think if we looked at it, like, like we're kind of denying our, our new identity in a way, but it's so powerful. You know, what does jazz do? It brings so many different people together. It's a much you know. better way. It could be an answer to even, like, political climate of America right now. I love that jazz oh, as a philosophy. Right. And seeing that. I dig it, man. Yeah. So. You know, because <laughs> when you go to a show, it's, like, it's older people. Yeah. It's young people. It's people of all different colors. They like all different things, especially if you go to, like, a new jazz musician. Like, the old classic jazz audience is there, and this mm. new jazz audience is there. For a whole nother reason, but they're like in the same room, vibing to the same, you know, we're vibrations, like y'all. <laughs> yeah, they're li- like, what, you're here? You're I'm here. All right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're all cool. It's a good night. <laughs> and I think, you know, in the history of our country, it, it brought people together mm-hmm. at that time, you know, um, the story of Big Spider back. Like, What's that? Uh, you, he was a Caucasian trumpeter uh-huh. who was classical and had a real love for jazz, wanted to be like Louis Armstrong. And he, great trumpeter. But he started to play jazz. You know, at that time, his family was like, you're not going to play black music. And they're like, Mm-mm. Yeah, right. But he was just like, this feels natural to me. So, like, to learn, you couldn't go to college to learn that art form. Right. You had to go to the speakeasies and the jam sessions and, like, hang around black people. So he's diving in a totally different <laughs> yeah, culture. A totally different way. culture. And he got that. And he dedicated, you know, he dedicated his life to that, regardless of what his family thought. Mm-hmm. And he's a legend jazz trumpeter. Um, the music is, it speaks for itself. And he got to finally meet Satchmo and it was like the best thing in his life. And hearing about that story, it was was kind of crazy. Like, okay, you like broke your, your barriers as a person and saw a whole culture of people differently Mm -hmm. and it brought you to them and they brought you in and then you learned this music and you gave back to a lineage of American music. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's awesome, man. Which is cool. And what's his name again? Big Spiderback. Big Spiderback? Yeah. I'll check it out, man. Yeah. That's, that's like classic trumpeter from like, I'd say like 1930s through wow. the 50s. You might be wrong about the dates, but so very early. So he was hanging out in a lot of rooms that he wasn't supposed to be in. Right. It would bring white musicians to areas to learn that music yeah. that they wouldn't normally be in. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I don't... I doubt this is the same equivalent, but I was in Texas recently okay. and uh, took my family to a rodeo. Yeah. And, like D D. D. <laughs> okay. And uh, my oldest son, he's black and Mexican. Okay. And so he's there and he's like, we're going to a rodeo. Like, what are we doing? It's gonna and, be hot. <laughs> and all I could think about was Little Nas X and okay. Old Town Road. Yeah. That's all I'm thinking about. And like this cross country thing. And so, again, we're deep Texas. We're at this rodeo watching bull riding and everything. And I see, like, multiple African-Americans with cowboy hats, cowboy boots, and every, like, and I'm like, are they? And Hispanic. Well, yes, yeah, Hispanic. yeah. Have, but it was primarily, overall, though, it was primarily, uh, like, Caucasians and African-Americans. And I was blown away. And it just made me think of, like, something that little Nas X has done, uh, there's so many debates about that musically, all that kind of thing. But what I've seen it, what I've seen it do is like break down barriers where people can just be honest 
about what they like and what they're into, whether it be white people who are like, no, I really do like hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I like Georgia line. Yeah, right. Black people who are like, no, I, I like going to the rodeo because I'm like, I actually wanted to talk to some of the folks. Like, I just didn't think I'd see you here. Yeah. And, but I didn't want to be that weird guy because then my son would have been like, what are you doing? It's funny you mention, it's funny <laughs> you, you tell me that story because I grew up in Texas, growing up in Houston, right, Houston. Okay. and my uncle is a, he's a great photographer that spent his life following black rodeos. Really? Yeah, so I've so I've had a, that same whole experience in and of itself then. Right. I didn't even know like a black rodeo existed. And and like off cuz they have big rodeos that come to Houston, but the 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 more off kind of backwoods rodeos that that would be the scenery. Yeah. And you know and and to like the, my black community, it's like, yo, you forget that that's our culture. Mm. You forget that we were ranchers, and that term cowboy comes from the minority side of being a cattle rancher yeah. and doing that thing. So it's okay to like that music if you're black because it's part of your culture just like jazz is. Right. And it's okay to like that music of hip-hop because it's part of your culture just like jazz is. Like we both live it, here. I wonder if it's a mix of like... Uh, Racism, a mix of even business and how we, we it is. genre and cut and we it cut pieces, it and because you, know? you got to sell just it drives that. Well, yeah. I remember in college when my roommates was black, a, a dude named Stefan, yeah. and I was in there playing acoustic guitar. He walks in, and he's like, "Let me grab that," and he puts it on. And he's like, "Dude, all my friends back home, <laughs> shit, they would give me." Yeah, they would. This. And I, I started laughing. I was like, "Honestly, man." Like, a lot of the original guitarists were black. Yeah. And he didn't even know that. He didn't know. And, like, and he's just looking at me like, what? And yeah. so we started talking through that. And But, yeah, it's weird how in a very short time we forgot about that. Well, yeah, our conditioning stops us from appreciating things on a human level. Right. Because we're conditioned to think about things differently as when we become adults. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a musician, I see this a lot because I'll do these corporate gigs where they're there with their kids and their family, and all the adults are in the back of the They hired us and paid us all this huge money, and we're appreciative. We love you. You know, because we do want to share art, and it's not even about that. But right. you notice that... But we got to pay our bills. So. Right. And they're in the back, but then the kids, probably about until 10, are dancing or moving or having a good time right. to jazz music. Mm-hmm. When everyone else is being conditioned that you shouldn't dance to this. Right. <laughs> and it's made you listen to it in a different way, but you see the kids it's naturally react. Yeah, but they're grooving. Do. They're like, dan- and like they have no, they don't care that we're in odd meter. They don't care that this is, they just know they it just feels feel good. It. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I don't really like Nas X, but I respect, you know, what he's doing. And if it's him, then be you. Right. Like, and there obviously is a lane for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's standing on the shoulders of other black cowboys or people in that culture that have started that, that we like kind of ignore or forgotten about because where we are or whatever, but I don't have any argument toward it. Like, like yeah. I said, I personally don't resonate it, but it's not about me. Right. Well, and it's you so know? vast. I think that's, what's been amazing about where we are. I feel like there, I feel like now is the most opportunity for any artist. Right. It's harder in some respects, right. but then in some respects it's not. And the fact that I can listen to an artist from France and then listen to an artist from South Dakota no one's heard of and listen to, like, an artist in Alaska who just posted something yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, those are things I can do leaving this interview and going home that you can never, like... Before you you can never do that. You would have had to, like, fight tooth and nail to find artists like that. And I think, to me, it gives me so much hope because I feel like genre 
is becoming dismantled mm -hmm. and people right. are, are back to that feeling like people are coming this just feels good you see right. it even in pop music of mm -hmm. artists who well little nas's example but you even see like big artists like ed sheeran or like bringing in celtic influences and even right. he's like this major pop artist you know or taylor swift who's got like a weird country ballad in the middle of her <laughs> right, right. these rock anthem thing that she's doing right and that gives me a lot of hope for music in general and it gives me hope like even as we talk about this where it's like cultures in general whether it's race or even like economics all those things can kind of break down when it comes to music if we let it right we need the freedom in music like that that we have with food yeah you don't say that when you go to a chinese restaurant even though it's chinese american but even in that right You've blended what you like about their culture and what you like There's about your culture. And the crab <laughs> and it's amazing. And, I mean, but, and you've you've made, <laughs> you've made it, you know, different a little. Um, and I was watching this this food documentary on Netflix, and they were talking about <laughs> he broke like, it. <laughs> we lost a little audio there. But, uh, there we go. They were talking about like the the Vietnamese community and cult, like in Houston and, and what they've done with, with crawfish. Yeah. You know, and they are now Vietnamese mixed Houston South crawfish restaurants in Vietnam. Interesting. Like or Cajun, we'll say Cajun. Yeah. There's Cajun crawfish festivals. I mean crawfish restaurants in Vietnam. Kinda made their way, but kinda like the South because it is different and the mixture of both is good, but like Vietnamese people love it. Mm -hmm. And it's still like a, so it's like, if we thought about music like that, there's no bias when it comes to different cultures of food. Right. You know, uh, I think the number one, there are more Chinese restaurants in America than, than any other restaurants in America. Because <laughs> of Crab Lagoon. That's my argument. <laughs> and Chang's and, and Chicken. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> but I think that's fast. I think that's interesting, it is. you know, to look at it like, like whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know. Um, that's cool, man. And I think music should just be looked at the same way. Yeah. Well, and that, that hits on that. Like, we talked about living a great life and this idea of balance. Uh, took this tangent into yeah. solving the world's problems through jazz. And then, <laughs> but, and we probably already hit on this, but when you think of creating great things, yeah, what does that mean to you? Um, I think creating great things to me just, like, it means something that will stand the test of time. You know, um, something that's beautiful but unique um, with that has longevity. Like, if you can listen to it and it, it reaches multiple people, then there's a, you know, it might be great. You know, I mean, multiple people resonating and getting what they, they want out of it, mm -hmm. which is different from the next person throughout the years. I think that, you know, sometimes it happens. <laughs> sometimes right. it doesn't, but... Uh, that's kind of what that means for me, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, and I love that that point of it's it's great to them. And I think too often as artists, I, I get stuck in this trap. Of, like we're creating for ourselves. Right. As opposed to creating, like the purpose of getting, like if I'm creating for myself, I can stay in my room. But why the hell am I right. in, in a car or a van and touring across the nation on stages trying to play for other people if I'm not trying to do something for Exactly. So I, I love that point. Uh, That's really cool. Yeah, I'm not the one listening to my music. It's right. like, <laughs> it's other people. When I like me, like for me to, after, like, because those songs you write sometimes for years, sometimes for months, and you spend hours and hours, you're in the studio. 
like most of the time I don't even want to listen to it ever again. Right. Because I can't tell you how many thousands of times <laughs> I've gone through like even just one little lyric. So yeah, it's like this obviously at this point now is for somebody else. It's for sharing. Know, at least in my mind. So, right. You're yeah, thinking about so, it, right? <laughs> We're thinking about it, right? Well, that's awesome, man. Well, let uh, let folks know where they can they can connect with your music or connect with you. Um, I guess you can connect with me on social media. Um, I guess mainly right now it's Instagram. So my handle is more piano two M's like my last name. Right on. I mean two O's like my last two name. O's. Two M's. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So and more, I'll put it in the notes and tag it and everything too. So. More piano. And then um, you can keep up with my music. Um, just looking up Eddie Moore in the Outer Circle. Uh, we have some stuff out with We The People, but I'm working on a new project for that. Awesome. And, so um, looking out for a new We The People. A new We The down People. Down And Eddie Moore in the Outer Circle music is definitely out there. Uh, we're still doing some stuff. Awesome. And yeah. Well, cool, man. Anyway. Well, thanks for hanging out. This man, thanks for having me. It yeah. inspires me. And now I know... I need to go and check out some other artists I haven't even heard of before. So much crazy good music. (laughs) Well, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. The Live and Create Podcast.